Hello there and welcome into the Career Competitor Podcast with me, Steve Mallor, and we are the show that seeks to light that competitive fire within you in order to jumpstart or optimize your career. Very exciting guest today in that of Ryan Mark Golin, who is the CEO of Pro Hair Labs, and I'm going to give him the introduction that he certainly deserves here in a moment, but not until I tell you about Career Competitor, the service. That's right. If you go to careercompetitor.com, you'll learn all about what it is I offer as a performance coach and as a culture consultant. But with you choosing to listen to Career Competitor, the podcast, firstly, make sure you click in that fifth star, subscribing to the show as well, giving us a follow in some way, shape, or form on whatever podcasting platform it is that you choose to listen to us on. But also, if you're here listening, that means that you are excited about the idea of optimizing performance, reaching your potential. And that's what I offer in my performance coaching service. I would love to learn a little bit more about what it is I can maybe do for you when it comes to optimizing performance, reaching your potential, and helping you with the sheer process of what it means to go from where your expectations currently are to realizing what it is you're truly capable of. Be sure to reach out to me, steve at careercompetitor.com. That's steve at careercompetitor.com to set up your free 30-minute consultation with me today. And you can tell me all about your background and all about why it is you think something like performance coaching from a guy like myself could be of use to you. Now let's get to my guest, Ryan Margolin, who, like I said, is the CEO of Pro Hair Labs. And today, Ryan is on the show to join us to talk about how to build the belief and trust towards an idea and a product to where it has the chance to become successful. The story of professional hair labs is one that I think, firstly, you're going to really appreciate hearing from from Ryan. But secondly, so much of what has happened with the company in the 13, 14 years that Ryan has been associated with it has happened because of a willingness to just do, to act. As he's going to tell you today, so much of what it means to be a competitor is reliant on one's willingness to take action. You can do all the work, you can do all the planning, you can have the greatest ideas in place. But if you're not willing to simply do the simple act of doing, then you're never going to have the opportunity to realize the potential for something. This inquisitive nature that Ryan has, has led him to pursue and discover things that had he not had that nature, may have never been discovered. And as you're going to find out, the sheer success of the company was born from a targeted campaign that would allow for him and those surrounding the company to truly appreciate and understand the potential for its success. So I don't want to go any more into the story because Ryan's here to tell us all about that and so many fantastic pieces of insight along the way to help entrepreneurs, business people, competitors. It really doesn't matter what walk of life you come from. Just because Ryan and I do come from this entrepreneur world does not necessarily mean that this cannot impact you in another way. So make sure you're paying attention. Make sure you're comfortable because it's time to sit down, relax, and enjoy my discussion with Ryan Margolin, the CEO of Professional Hair Labs, on this episode of the Career Competitor Podcast. And I hope you all enjoy Okay, well, it gives me the greatest pleasure to welcome in Ryan Margolin from across the pond today onto the Career Competitor Podcast. Firstly, Ryan, how are you on this Monday, mate? Yeah, all good. All good. Just another day of the week. But uh, thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to having a, a chat. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just so 
feel so fortunate to have you on. You know, what's funny with the show this year, Ryan, uh, you may or may not realize that we've had an enormous amount of entrepreneurs. It has a little bit to do with the fact that I've ventured into that space in the last 12 months myself. I've got a, a bias towards it now. Uh, but at the same time, there's just so much about the competitive spirit that comes through that of an entrepreneur that I love hearing about, I love learning about because no one's story is the same. And, you know, nothing about your story necessarily resonates with me because I don't have any hair. So, you know, for <laughs> but here I am talking to you, the owner, the owner of Professional Hair Labs. And uh, I would love to learn all about, first and foremost, Ryan, who it is you are. Just tell everybody who it is you are, first and foremost, and then tell everybody about your company, Professional Hair Labs, as well. Yeah, well, look, I, I mean, Professional Hair Labs is a manufacturer of cosmetic bonding adhesives, scalp treatments, uh, shampoos for the hair replacement industry. Uh, but more recently, you know, we diversified and expanded our services into, you know, a, a deeper level of cosmetic products, skincare, body care, hair care, and um, custom formula for, for B2B companies. I mean, that's what we've always been at our core is, is a B2B company. Um, you know, I myself, my background is kind of in sales and marketing. You know, I, I was um, I was working in sales for many years uh, up until 2009 when, you know, the, the you know, economic crash came, uh, forced everyone to really take a, you know, a good look at what they're doing and where they're going. And um, some opportunities arose then at that point, and uh, it kind of led us to where we're at now. So uh, that's, that's my background in, in kind of a bird's eye view. Well, tell us a little bit more about your upbringing too. Yeah, where, you know, where you're from and, and also yeah. just about, I don't know, where, where maybe this whole, uh, maybe the, this competitive spirit, this entrepreneurial spirit, maybe where that was born within you too. Yeah, well, I, I was born in New Jersey um, and I lived most of, well, the first half of my life, I, I didn't live in New Jersey too long. Most of, most of my uh, uh, youth life was lived in Florida and my mother is Irish and my dad was born in New York. And when we were 14, uh, we made the move back to Ireland and, you know, I finished school, did some traveling, uh, started to figure some stuff out. Um, but look at, at, look at my core, the, the environment that I was uh, brought up in, both of my parents were working, they had their own business. Um, and it, it just kind of, it was learned behavior, I suppose. Uh, it, it was just, I, I, I knew from a very young age that I, I, I wanted to do something for myself. Uh, so in 2009, kind of when the, when the crash came, um, the opportunity arose where my, my dad had a company and he wasn't really excited about the way it was going. So he asked, did I want to come over and take a look at it and, you know, see what, if I, what I could learn and what I could contribute. So uh, that's uh, what we decided to do, myself and my wife. And I had one daughter at the time. And we uh, we moved to Florida for about a year and a half. And in that year and a half, I spent the first few months doing what I would normally do when I go into a new business is learning as much as I can about it, about the intricacies of it, the customer base. Um, and from, you know, from an operations perspective and a marketing perspective, what could the company be doing at its foundations to make small changes to have big impacts? Because like, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in that. I've seen, you know, many people over the years overcomplicate situations. I'm a firm believer that the simplest solution is always the best one. And that's really where I like to start with everything in, you know, in my life, whether it's personal or professional. So, um, so yeah, since 2009, the company existed. 
uh, we took a look at it and I, I learned a lot as much as I could about it. So I spent three months manually building a database of all the hair replacement studios in the United States. Um, that gave me, you know, two advantages. Number one, I had a very you know, good indication of uh, the companies who were listed versus the companies that were operating. And then it let us know exactly where we should be targeting some of our initial campaigns. So um, there, there were thousands of, of studios throughout the United States that, that were on this list. And what happened was we decided um, to rebrand everything. We, put, we stripped everything back, the, the, the company, the message, the, the products. And at its, you know, at, at its simplest you know, marketing strategy, we, we launched a direct mail campaign, a uh, simple postcard front and back. And um, we, did, we split it into three sections because we didn't want to send so many out because we were a small team. So we would have been inundated with phone calls. But from there, um, you know, within the first 18 months of launching that campaign, we tripled revenue to the company. So we knew we validated the product uh, at that point because the, the company was operating in very low six figures. It was like, like 250, 260,000 uh, a year company at that. Um, so once we knew that we had this product that was very, you know, uh, it solved the problem in the industry and it was safe and it was effective, we started to realize the, the potential for, you know, international trade. So um, myself and my wife were living there. We, we kind of made the decision. It really wasn't where we wanted to be long-term. So we, um, you know, we made the plans to move home. Uh, but before we did that, you know, we took some of that money and reinvested it then into op uh, opening an EU operation. And throughout the years after that, um, and the way things have evolved, uh, the company has grown kind of year on year quite you know, substantially. Mm -hmm. And it's allowed us to then start to explore the advantages of international trade and how we could leverage um, you know, the different uh, tax strategies to help not only the company grow, but avail of the supports that we need to penetrate global marketplaces in, in, in areas that a lot of companies really struggle to to get through to. So it's been a really interesting uh, journey. And, um, you know, throughout the last 10 years, I've learned more, you know, about myself uh, than I have anything else. And, um, you know, what I realized is that, you know, look, in order to, I suppose, in order to continue to, you know, contribute to the company and its growth, you do have to kind of make that shift from switching from what can you do for the company to what you can do for the individuals helping you reach your goals and their goals. So, it, you know, leadership is a huge part of that. And it, it, that's been probably one of the biggest learning curves I've had over the last, you know, many years. Absolutely. And, and we'll definitely dive into that a little bit. And what I love about, I'm so glad that you gave us the background of the store, of the, of the company, because it's important because when people, when people stumble along a successful company, you know, let's say this is the first time someone's hearing about professional hair labs. And we're talking about 13 years since that moment where you decided to fly over to the States and, and sit down with dad and, and start taking a look at the, the inner workings of the company. It's really easy to assume, okay, that they're, they're, they're an international business. They're an international business. They're internationally established, established year on, year out. They're successful. But here we are looking at a moment, a very fragile, delicate, and frankly, defining moment around 2009 where you've been able to recognize through a couple of different campaigns the potential for the company. So it wasn't that you just made it successful. At some point in there, you had to actually recognize that there was a potential for it to be successful. And for any entrepreneur specifically listening to this, that is massive. It's massive to recognize that, listen, you can have all the ambition in the world. You can have the greatest 
business plan in the world. But, but at the end of the day, the potential for the thing to succeed, you have to be able to recognize that potential in that idea before step one, two, 57, 105 can even be considered. So listening to this story and something is, and it seems as, again, to, to use your term simplicity, something as simple as a direct mail campaign to say, hey, what's the potential of this product? What can we actually do with this product? What did you find, Ryan, in that decision back 11, 12, 13 years ago? What did you find that that did for you in terms of truly recognizing the potential for what the business could be? So there's a couple of things. Um, what I, so what I, what I took out of that was first and foremost is that coming from the previous positions that I had before I started working with my dad in the company, it, there was a, I was working in a company where there was a lot of red tape. You know, a lot of um, decisions had to be made before decisions could be made. And I think ultimately at its core, then it held up a lot of the progress. And for competitive people who are uh, laser focused um, and, you know, people who, who love to learn, it's a very difficult environment to, to you know, to operate in. So um, what, what it taught me uh, was that when we did this direct mail campaign, you know, when we removed all the red tape, there was nobody, you know, to, to, to pitch to, there was nobody to get a sign off from, there was nobody to try to convince. Um, I'm a firm believer now that when it comes to businesses and building businesses, the best way to do it is just bootstrap it. Just get everyone out of the way and just go, you know, go as quick as you can. You're going to make mistakes. No matter if you go slow or if you go fast, you're going to make mistakes. There's going to be yeah. pitfalls. And then start to get as much data back as you can. Because w very quickly, if you do the simple things, you'll find out if you have a product worth uh, supplying. And uh, for us, fortunately, it was that case. You see, the core of the products that we supply had existed for, you know, seven, what are we doing? actually more almost 10 years previous to that the only difference is we did it in a way that uh completely separated ourselves from all the competition and we focused on education as a huge part of the, the sales process we didn't charge for it we just heavily relied on a lot of phone calls a lot of emails and a lot of uh, outgoing content to make sure people knew what the product was what it did and what it was comparable to so they knew what to base it from hmm. so i i think the the the, the key lesson for me just to answer your question there is that, you know, bootstrapping something, in my opinion, when you're getting something started is a much better way than trying to uh, overanalyze things or put too many hurdles in the way of actually doing something. Because if you do that, you'll just end up doing nothing at all. And it'll just slow down process dramatically. Yeah, it's that very much a student of the trial and error, trial and error, you know, school for thought. And I, I'm, I'm a believer in that. I'm an advocate of that. And I've graduated from that school and I've also failed from that school a number yeah. of times. Uh, you know, I think it's it's really important to understand that. And as much as we're trying to sort of maybe pigeonhole this discussion into this world of entrepreneurship, this is really life. I mean, this is just life as a whole. Yeah. It's, 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 it's how you, if you really want to get out of your way, get unstuck, if you will, at some point, you just have to pull your, pull your bootstraps on, like you said, and just do it. Just give it a go, see what happens. And, you know, in your yeah. case, in, in your case, though, it does sound as though you had the luxury of saying, hey, it's not like we're just flying by the seat of our pants, so to speak. It's more that we have the we have some good data in the background. We have some yeah. good knowledge of what this thing can be, but for whatever reason, we're just not recognizing the potential for it. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, and and you know, and the one thing that I learned, you know, at the very beginning was that it's very different. Uh, you know, having a belief about a product versus 
other people believing about a product. <laughs> so, you know, you can think you have the best service or product in the world, but ultimately what it comes down to is that, you know, are people going to buy it or engage with it? So um, when, when you, when you start to get that back and you realize that, look, you know, we, we have a viable product or service here. It's it, it does. Uh, I wouldn't say it makes it easier, but in, at, you know, at some points it makes it easier to continue to go on because you keep getting knocked back. You know, you keep learning, like for example, you know, the first 18 months I was in Florida, um, you know, we validated this product in the US. We, we uh, you know, we were doing extremely well in, 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 in where the company was at that time. But, you know, when we opened in Europe, I took those same principles and methodologies and I launched it in the European marketplace and it fell flat in its face. So there was a huge cultural learning curve there that right. you know had to be had to be figured out in order to start to penetrate some of the other European marketplaces, and um, you know that that led me to the, the the simple belief is that look you'll never truly always have it figured out. There's always going to be new ways that you're going to have to pivot and change, and other things you're going to have to learn, and that really falls into the bracket of uh, of self development as well. You know that I think that at its core, I think that's really what it all comes back to because you know as individuals. Um, you know, any business problem can usually be related back to a personal problem you're having and the work has to really start there first. Mm. I mean, now, now you're in my, now you're in my area of expertise and I love that. I love hearing a, a, an established business owner is, is screaming this on the rooftop right now that for every, every business issue, let's say there may be a personal self-development issue that you can maybe look in the mirror and have a, maybe a, a truthful discussion with yourself about that you weren't necessarily expecting to have. And you alluded to that earlier in terms of especially what the last three or four years through the COVID and all this kind of thing, I'm sure what that's forced you to do, how that's forced you to pivot, but most importantly, how it's forced you to really look inwards and say, how do I need to grow? How do I need to keep pushing the needle as the owner, as the leader of this company to not just run the company, as you said, but to actually expand and improve and enhance the performance of individuals within the company. Talk to me a little bit about what you've maybe done here in the last few years. Well, I mean, if you go back a few years, I, I suppose the, the, the best starting point would be COVID. You know, yeah. we, you know, we had two locations. We had our facility in Florida, which was kind of, you know, stayed open and there was no, you know, there was no show that shutting down of businesses in, in that area. Um, but on the flip side to in Ireland, it was a bit different. We were deemed not an essential service. So we were risk the, we were facing closing our doors for a period of months, which wouldn't have been good. We, you know, we would have had to let people go. We would have had to reassess things, but because of our team and, uh, you know, the forward planning and forward thinking, we very quickly pivoted into the manufacturing of hand sanitizer because we had the ability to do so. We, you know, we were one of the few companies in, in the country who had um, direct access to alcohol at that time because of the mm -hmm. previous relationships that we had. Mm -hmm. So we quickly formulated a product and through our network, built some relationships, sold a lot of products. We kept the doors open. Um, that was solely down to the, to the team involved. Um, it was funny because I had just gotten back from, uh, I remember just gotten back from Chicago at the time when the directive was handed down from the government. And uh I thought at that point I had COVID, so I was self-isolating and I was run, I, I was, you know, making all the phone calls and running what I could from a bedroom. And, uh, you know, it was really the team that just pulled it all together and, and, and made it happen. So uh, that that whole period of time made us realize that we were definitely missing out on a lot of opportunity because COVID showed us how exposed we actually were because we were so niche in the marketplace and that marketplace was hit 
heavily by COVID because hair replacement studios had to shut down. They're not, you know, not essential depending on the location. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's what kind of uh, made us very quickly look at, at diversifying into, into a deeper range of cosmetics and where we stand now, the company we are now is a, a hell of a lot different than it was uh, three years ago. We will get right back to our interview in just a moment as I wanted to take a moment to tell you about my new favorite socks in Soldier Socks, American-made premium socks founded on giving back to U.S. troops. They have an awesome collection of socks to satisfy any and all needs with options to buy individual pairs and multi-packs as well. But whichever pair you choose, you will receive the same premium quality with no substitutions. Most importantly, for every pair purchased, one pair of their Thomas sock is sent to an active member of the US military as soldier socks are making their impact felt soul to soul. So if you are looking to upgrade your sock game and do your part for a great cause as well, head to soldiersocks.com, that's soldier spelled S-O-L-E, soldiersocks.com today to add that extra comfort to your feet and to support U.S. troops in the process. Let's get back to the interview. It's really interesting. It's, it's almost like you went from being essential to some to being essential to many. I mean, it's kind of how you pivoted as a company. And I think that's, it's one thing for something as drastic and as, as significant as COVID to force your hand to do something like that. But it wasn't as though you stopped there. You didn't say like, okay, the hand sanitizer thing keeps the door open for now. Now it was like, how do we continue to become a a truly valuable essential service to as many as possible and you alluded to it a little bit there just some of the additions within the company since since you actually went through this pivot talk to me a little bit more about where you've started to enter the the the, the world of whatever these different worlds are now you've entered well what's happened now because of this obviously you know covid and its restrictions globally have had a massive impact on manufacturers in particular. So what we found is that a lot of the customers that we had for many years had other needs that we weren't really, we didn't really have our finger on the pulse with. Um, but we've now since started to um, support them with their needs. Like for example, if they would have had other products in their line that they were having made by other manufacturers, some of those manufacturers have now closed their doors. So that led us to the opportunity to open discussions with them and start to develop their products and manufacture their products for them improve them, you know, in some cases. Uh, And that's uh, generated a lot more revenue for us. Um, But realistically, what we realized is that with the opportunity that was at our was at our feet, um, we had two options, we could either, um, you know, we we could either take it nice and slow, or uh, we could do what we do best. And we could just go for broke and just hit the ground running. So within the last year, we had, you know, we've had so we had a 17 and a half thousand square foot distribution facility in Florida. We had a 10,000 square foot facility in, in Ireland here. Mm-hmm. And what's happened over the last year is that we, uh, we've now expanded to a 70,000 square foot facility in Ireland. Uh, we have a 17 and a half thousand square foot facility in Florida. Still we're building another 17 and a half thousand square foot facility, but we've also invested in 20 acres worth of land right across the road from it for developing uh, further options for manufacturing and supply throughout the United States. Wow. So this has kind of led us to, we kind of made ourselves commit to it. You know, it's like, look, we, we know that we are growing fast. We know that um, the opportunities are there. 
we know that we have the team now in place to capitalize on those. And, you know, at the core of it, this really comes down to being able to, um, you know, I wouldn't say, you know, uh, save, but also just stop or maybe eliminate the, 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 you know, some of our current clients from having issues with product supply because, look, globally, there's a huge issue with supply at the moment. doesn't matter what industry you're in. Yep. And I think at the core of this, you know, we, we have good relationships, heavy buying power. We, we know what the common core ingredients are for the required products. And, you know, we invest heavily in those and we have them on, on, a, on a, in stock at all times. So it's very easy for a customer to come in and say, listen, I, I want this type of product. It's like, okay, well, look, we already have the base formula for that. We can make the adjustments that you need, you know, within eight to 12 weeks, we'll have that product in their hand. So it's about refining your processes, but those processes take investment and those investments, you know, they require a decision to be made. You know, there's no point in sitting on the fence about them. Yeah. But the, 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 that decision, the the seed of that decision goes all the way back to even back in 2009. It's that recognizing a belief and a potential for something. Because what's happened here over the last few years by the sounds of it is that your beliefs and your potentials have been born out of the recognition of other beliefs and other potential. Like that, that, is, that is what's happening here. And, and, and for, for me, being able to sort of explain it that way to, to listeners, this this is where you start to realize that this isn't simply a business or a an entrepreneurial message at this point. This is just simply a competitive message. This is someone that says, hey, if, if we're going to keep competing, keep raising the bar, keep reaching higher standards, then at some point we have to recognize what has worked. And then we need to go ahead and reinvest in that same philosophy. It's working. It ain't broke. Don't fix no. it. You know, And that's, exactly. that's, that's very much what you're preaching here, right? It, it, it absolutely is. And I mean, if you really want to simplify it even further, it's yeah. that, you know, if you're not going to do it, somebody else is, and you will yeah. lose the opportunity. So right. that's, no matter what we spin it, you know, it, you know, things might not be your fault, but they're certainly your responsibility. So it's either you make the decision and do it or you don't, but ultimately the, the, the actions or what happens on the other side of that is solely down to what you do. Yeah, not your fault, but not but certainly your responsibility. There's something that should really strike nice and deep in anybody listening to this. It's a truth. It's a massive truth. And again, it's sometimes it's easy for us to assume that there's blame to be pointed or, or taken or something like that. But really, at the core of it, it's responsibility. Someone willing to say, I'm taking responsibility for this. It's not about blame game or anything like that. No, look, at the end of the day, if you get into that sort of a game, um, you will ultimately just go backwards because, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter the what or the why. Uh, like, I mean, it is what it is. So you move on from that point. There's no point in saying it's your fault because of this. At the end of the day, the way I look at things is that if there's a mistake made in our company, uh, whether it's small or whether it's sizable, um, I know that the team that we have in place, that they're they're aware of it themselves. I don't need to hold them accountable for it, but I ultimately can look at that as an investment into the company because it's a lesson learned, you know. And we've made plenty of those uh, throughout throughout the last few years. But you know, look, you have to make those mistakes in order to learn, you know. And and you know, there's nobody that continually is winning and and doesn't take any any mistakes along the way, you know. Yeah, I, I, you know, I want to go. I almost want to end that sentence slightly shorter on your behalf. Is that there isn't anyone that's always winning? Period. There just no. isn't. Like people have no. wins and people do yeah. have successes, but they're not always winning and they're not always succeeding. And, it, and no. it's important to realize that you know you take the wins and you celebrate them and you learn from them the same way you do with defeats. Yeah. But at the same time, a new cycle's yeah. right there. It's always coming. Yeah. There's always a new cycle. So 
you're right and and like the truth truth of the matter is i i actually prefer the losses because you know look at the end of the day you don't learn a whole lot from the wins like for me you know we we would achieve a goal or we would you know reach a goal and everyone would be really excited and it's like you know for me like i don't get excited for me it's just a checkbox it's like okay it's done what are we doing next you know done what are we doing next let's keep this ball moving and um i think you know with that you know when when you're running a company like for, look, for example right the the company is run by myself and my two brothers uh you know my brother daryl is the vice president my brother david is the, the coo and um you know our different personality types are what make this work because it allows me in the background to check the box and move on whereas you know my brother daryl would be you know very good with people um he's a very good leader and he, he directs people very well and then my brother david you know he's um he's a very uh, uh logical individual so from an operations perspective it's like if there's a hole it's patched you know uh, so it, it's a really good collective um, and ultimately at the core of it you know, we're all quite empathetic people. So uh, we're always able to put ourselves in the shoes of another to look at the situation from a different perspective. Because if you don't, if you don't have that in business, um, you, you can get quite self-absorbed and the view of how things are become a little bit skewed. Yeah. And it's, it's funny, it's a term I use with clients all the time, which is that of competitive collaboration. It's understanding that the, the three of you there as brothers different titles different responsibilities but you are all three of you are equally trying to get out what you're willing to put in and, that, and that's what really competitive collaboration is it, it, it's yeah. saying like listen we're pushing each other we want to compete at high levels we're going to do it in a collaborative way and it's yeah. going to come at times where you move and i stay still and, and vice versa um yeah but that empathetic that empathetic mindset man that just, that's the irishman in you that's all it is yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. actually you know what I, th I i think when you when you yeah when you look at it it probably is um you know look i i, I know many individuals who run their business the complete opposite way but and and you know they're very successful but i i, I think look it works for some and it doesn't work for others. But I look, I think, I think the way we, we have the company set and run at the moment. Um, and I'd like to think, you know, the team that work with us, we would say the same thing, but it's a, it's a very uh, easy place to work because everyone knows what they have to do and they just get it done. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. And you know, the, it, it makes things like B2B, like you mentioned right there at the outset of our conversation, so much easier to, to yeah. be able to implement, uh, when, when you are, so consistent, so authentic within as a company when it comes to representing yourself to other businesses and collaborating again, even going back to that term of competitive collaboration that I used, it, it's easy to do. It really is yeah. because there's there's no version of you when you're presenting yourself to someone else versus the version of you that you're presenting to your employees or whatever it is, the consistency, yeah. the authenticity. It's there at all yeah. times, I have to assume. Yeah, no, it is. And and I wouldn't, me personally, I wouldn't have it any other way. Look, right. you know, for, you know, I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be comfortable with presenting, you know, my current position or what I do on a daily basis uh, in one way, you know, like say online, for example, now I'm not really heavily active online, but, you know, people will get snippets into, you know, few things in my daily life. Uh, if I like if I'm on holidays, or there's a business thing going, but you meet me in person and that's kind of exactly what you get. You know, it's like, a, you know, I'm not, I'm not this big outgoing extrovert. In fact, I'm quite introvert and I'm quite private, but mm. um, you know, I just think, you know, it's why it's vitally important that you know, what people see uh, across all touch points is, is the same because, you know, you, you should just be yourself. Yeah.
Now, it's one thing I've always said about introverts is that there's this, uh, in this world, especially with this, the, this need to be public and online and all this kind of thing, the one thing you get from introverts is consistency. Uh, you know, yeah. I've, I've worked for a couple over the years and as tough as it can be to get information from them at times, the consistency with who it is you're working with is something yeah. that cannot be ever argued. Uh, you know yeah. what you're getting and I, I, I get that in abundance. From you, Ryan, I get you a little bit more extroverted yeah. than the average introvert, introvert I would yeah. say, but especially with your shirt right now, man, it's a loud shirt. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is, it is. And but, I only uh, realized that when I sat down, I was like, <laughs> I, I'm, 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 I was like, maybe I wore the wrong shirt. I don't know. Not at all, not at all. Just bring all your normal <laughs> self, your authentic <laughs> self to career competitor, man. I love it. Um, you know, one, one last question really I have for you, Ryan, is that, you know, you've talked so much about development and obviously the development of the business and you've referenced self-development specifically for for you i'm always interested the person at the top you know what what does that look like for you what does it look like for you to to be able to stop to self-assess and where do you feel as though maybe your i don't know secrets to being able to do in that what sort of maybe one or two secrets do you feel as though are important to you in order to be able to self-assess and stop when you think you need to yeah i i think you're what for me, I, I think the, the, the biggest thing that, that I had to learn to teach myself over the years is that I, I had to let my mind uh, become stronger than my feelings because there's times where things happen and you know, you're passionate about it, you believe in it, and you can get quite emotional, but you know, you're never going to once ever show me a person who made an emotional decision that, that, that turned out to be the better one. You know, yeah. so I, I think it's it's vitally important as people. Um, you know, what, it doesn't matter if you're running a company or you know, it doesn't matter what your position is. I, I just think you know, in order to self reflect, you have to be able to um, you have to be able to allow you know your your logical self to to override any emotional feelings that you have because only then will you kind of get to the core of what you're trying to achieve or what you need to address. And those are some of the hardest things to do because the emotional part of you is like you know. You know, I don't need to address that. There's always a reason I can blame something else or somebody else for something. But really, when it comes down to it, you, you need to look at things a, a lot more in depth because that's what separates, um, you know, the dues, you know, doing it from not doing it in my eyes, you know? Yeah, and, and that's the beauty of so much of what we've talked about here today is that it can sometimes, when, you, when we use these terms like putting on your boots and just getting into it and getting on with it, sometimes people can assume that's rash. But when you talk yeah. about, exactly what you've just spoken about in terms of the willingness to work within and on yourself it's actually coming from a really well-established place every single time it's not that rash it's not something that's just out of left field it's actually a very well thought out smart move if you're willing to give yourself the let's say justification that it is in fact that yeah and those things do take time you know like oh, i mean obviously building anything takes time, anything of any, you know, any substance. So, but I, I think as people, it's the exact same, you know, change yeah. takes time, but it has to happen because if not, you just carry all of your, um, you carry all of your, your old everything into, into the future, you, whoever that is, and you don't allow yourself the opportunity or the space to become better or be the better version of yourself. Yeah, 100%. And, and that's what I love about the show is that so many people tune in to learn about secrets to success of building businesses of careers and etc. And the consistent one of the easily the most consistent message over the 140 plus episodes we've done is the fact that it starts from within it starts with yeah. the strength of, of the self and, and when you do work on the self and you do 
you do that process justice, uh, so much of the other stuff, the likelihood of it really coming to fruition is immediately, you know, just multiplied, so on and so on. You know, it is, it is. And, you know, as, as, as a business owner or, you know, um, or, or anybody really, it's like you have to, I, I think, you know, you really have to be willing to, um, to grind through the, the period of time where, where there's no one that's going to believe in, you, you know, as they say, like the work always has to come before the belief, you know, it's like mm. people, people or, you know, a market will not believe in what you do or what you, you know, what you sell um, if you don't yourself. So you need to, you, you, you need to make sure you're pushing through those, those limits and those boundaries and, uh, and, and, and making that work for you and not expecting anything in return for a long time. Yeah. Or actually not even expecting anything at all in return because, you know, some people don't ever get anything, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, the work has to come before the belief and it, yeah. it starts It starts with the person. It's, you know, you want self-belief, work on yourself. Yeah. If you want, yeah. you want, you know, business belief and career belief and whatever it may be, those obviously those things you have to work on too. But self-belief starts with the self and working on yourself. And Ryan, honestly, man, this is an absolute pleasure i mean this this little 30 minutes has just absolutely flown by and uh had i known you were irish before i you know started the call i, I would have <laughs> i would have grabbed the guinness or something like that you know prior to it but it's not even it's not even 11 in the morning the pubs wouldn't even be open where i am right now so that would be uh, it's always know. whiskey o'clock <laughs> it certainly is it's certainly in my house um well yeah. ryan listen I, I absolutely appreciate it before i let you go please share any information you think you need to with listeners, we've got listeners on both sides of the Atlantic. Yeah. So any information you think we need regarding the company and yourself? Yeah, look, our website is prohairlabs.com. Um, from, from the, from, from our discussion here, it's pretty evident what we do. Um, yeah. you know, look, I'm, I, my main hangout is LinkedIn. So you can just search for me on LinkedIn. I, I post bits about the company, you know, maybe some bits about self-development, whatever I feel like it really. So um, that those are the two places that, that you can catch us. I mean, we're the company is across all social media, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, the usual. Um, so yeah, look, that's, you know, it's quite easy to find us. That's wonderful. I appreciate that. Well, thank you for the information, Ryan. And most importantly, thanks for the time, the insight. This was an absolute pleasure. Could have done it. Could have done it for another half an hour, probably no yeah, problem. Absolutely. So, so cheers for the time. No, thanks. Appreciate it. And my thanks again to Ryan for joining us on the show. And I would be doing a disservice to Ryan if I decided to make things too complicated here as a man that preaches the simple approach. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you three steps, takeaway if you will, for how you can do exactly what this episode's about, how you can build the belief and trust towards an idea or a product to where it has the chance to become successful. So step number one, do the work to have the belief to take action. So that is the inner focus to begin with. Do the work inwardly to build that belief to then go take action. Secondly, put on your boots and go collect the data that will help you learn and grow. If you've done a thorough job on step one, there should be nothing holding you back on step two to go out and discover, learn more about the product, about the idea, whatever it is, so that you can start to build and grow from that. And my final step, step number three, allow the recognition of belief and potential that you get from that data to fuel the pursuit of getting more recognition for more belief and more potential. It's a cycle, people. It's a cycle. When you get that recognition, that does not mean that you've made it. That does not mean that you've just, you found the finish line, you climbed the mountain, and it's time just to sit back 
with your drink in hand and relax. No, 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 no. That is the recognition that the process is in fact working. So go back, repeat, go back to step one and think about the work you have to do to build that belief to take action again to start the process all over again. There's a simplicity to what Ryan has mapped out here for us, as he said, but at the same time, that doesn't make it any less difficult to do. You still have to put these steps into place, have the willingness, the bravery to go and do it. So I love the insight from Ryan. There was plenty of other things along the way, plenty of other nuggets of information that you could have written down and picked up and that could be of huge benefit for that can be of huge benefit to you, whether that be as a business owner, entrepreneur, someone with an idea, or just simply someone who's trying to do things at higher levels. That's what it's about on this show. We're trying to optimize performance. If you believe that you have an idea of performing at higher levels, then this process should resonate with you. It can be of impact to you. So break it down in those three simple steps and see if you can start to move towards recognizing a belief, recognizing potential in yourself, or in an idea or in a product today. So again, my thanks to Ryan for his insight and for joining us on the show today. But most importantly, thank you to you for choosing to stop by and give us a listen on your way out. Again, make sure you are clicking a fifth star if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts. You're subscribing, you're downloading, you're following, you're doing whatever you can on whatever podcast platform you choose to listen to is on make sure you're making that effort to grow our show tell your friends tell your neighbors let everybody know career competitor is the place to go in order to be optimizing yourself and optimizing your performance so in the meantime best of luck with anything and everything you've got going on within your world feel free to reach out to me steve at careercompetitor.com just say hi if you'd like i always like to connect and I look forward to speaking with you all very soon bye for now